Hey, welcome. Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International. Appreciate you being here. You can now support this podcast and Athena International by becoming a patron. Check out the details at womenreallymeanbusiness.com right at the top of the page. All right, let's talk about our guest. Sahida Floyd overcame a lot of struggles and just kept working. Her 24 to 48 hour rule and story will inspire you if you are in a tough situation and Sahida really wants to give back to others because now she's a success after going through her own struggles. I think you're going to love this podcast. Let's get into it. Women Really Mean Business presented by Athena International. Episode 52 begins now. Welcome to Women Really Mean Business presented by Athena International, the podcast that tells you the story of how women are impacting business one guest at a time. Now here's your host, Jeff Bolitnikoff, with another successful woman and her unique business journey. Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International. I am Jeff Bolitnikoff, and I'm with a guest that does a lot of things. Her name is Saida Floyd, or you can go by Z, and we're going to find out in just a second what we're going to use for the rest of the interview but Saida or Z, she is on the Athena of the Triangle board as co-chair of the Emerging Leaders Program. And she also is a change management leader with over 20 years experience, or I should say almost 20 years experience, combined in organizational change, marketing, and communications with roles in the IT industry at like Nortel, Cisco, Intel, now at Red Hat. And wow, there's a lot there. And as frequent listeners know, I start with my guest and really give the floor to her. So Saida or Z, uh, I'm going to let you make the choice as to how to, I refer to you rest <laughs> of the interview. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here and uh, just love to hear your bio and your words. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. So uh funny story about my name. Uh, my name is Saida, which is Persian, but I'm actually Latina. And my nickname used to be Z. And somewhere along the lines, living in Europe, they got changed to Zai. So um, either way, <laughs> whatever you feel most comfortable with. Uh, uh, what totally way? You're, you're throwing a third pronunciation at me. We got <laughs> Zai now. Z, Zai. Yes. I think I'm going to go with Saida because I was pretty proud of myself for being able to pronounce that first <laughs> off. I didn't. Absolutely. As listeners know, sometimes I have trouble pronouncing names. So the fact that you opened the call, I said Saida, and you're like, you got it. <laughs> so <laughs> yes. I think we'll go with that one. So anyway, welcome again. And if you could just thank you, thank you for being here. And if you could just give us your story and your words, your background. Uh, what brought you into your career? And maybe a dual question, too. What brought you into Athena? And let's mix it all together and give the floor to you. Sure. Thank you so much, Jeff, for having me. It's it's an honor and a pleasure and uh, just excited to be here with you. So as you mentioned, I am currently in change management. And that was, I sort of fell into change management, which I believe a lot of us often do, a relatively new discipline in this world. Um, I always say that it's the grandbaby of industrial psychology and organizational behavior. And so really that stemmed from just years in marketing, internal marketing and communications and always just being a constant 
you know, learner wanting to learn more and also really understand what drives people's behavior. So I really had done a little bit of everything um, as a single mom, just always, you know, focused on staying employed. And once I had finished my degree, I focused on HR work at Nortel. And I had an opportunity, or I created an opportunity, rather, for myself. Um, I saw an opening, and I was very excited about the prospect of what that meant. And really, it's one of the stories that I tell because... On paper, I was not 100% qualified for that position. And I said, you know what? I know that I have a skill set to execute this and do a good job in this role. I may not have the particular degree that they're looking for and you know some other items that they were looking for, but I am confident that I will be able to um, do this and do this well. And so I started that role as Communications Prime at Nortel for one of their organizations and was told you have some very big shoes to fill. And was just very excited and just did the very best that I could, always learning as much as I could. And when I had my first review with my boss who um, hired me remotely, so I actually never met him and we still stay in touch, he said, you know what, you've completely hit it out of the ballpark and you've exceeded all our expectations. So really just always working to my maximum potential has always been the focus of my career. And so that role really opened up. Again, I created another opportunity by learning some technical things. And I was asked to take on a dual role in business continuity. And so I said, absolutely, learned it, was very fortunate that I loved it. And so that then opened the door to when we went through the divestiture, Nortel, my section was sold off to Abaya and Abaya picked me up. So was able to continue in that same role. And then eventually, later on, um, I had an opportunity to do change management communications. And so that started sort of dipping my, my toe in the water in change management and have been doing that ever since. And as you mentioned, through a small boutique firm, iTalent out of California, I worked with Cisco, worked with Intel, worked with some other clients, and was just really able to hone my craft in change management. And that brings me to today, where I am a change management internal consultant at Red Hat. So doing continuing that work. And let's talk about your Athena background, because as you and I both know, Athena is absolutely amazing. And there's just so much good that the organization does. And we're going to talk about Martha Mertz's book later in the interview, Becoming Athena. And I highly recommend anybody listening right now, go get that book, because it's just incredible. And Athena, as I said, that's a just a great organization. Tell me how you got affiliated with Athena and what it means to you. Yeah, absolutely. So that is a funny story. I was actually, prior to Athena, I, I'm i very passionate about having a great profile on LinkedIn. And I had sort of, not necessarily put it out in the universe, but I had at some point, LinkedIn had this function where you could add, you know, what are your interests or the next thing that you want to engage in. And I put in nonprofit work. And so an opportunity came up to become involved in a nonprofit. And I did that for some years, ended up serving on the board and then 
being the president. And in the, in the interim, I had a five-minute conversation with a gentleman at um, a leadership conference, and he then got me in touch with Andrea Connor, who is the executive director of Athena International. And, you know, we connected briefly. You know, nothing took off at the moment. But then, you know, we circled back around um, probably a half a year later and just had this fantastic conversation about what was going on, you know, what were the opportunities to work together. And so she really encouraged me to look at the local affiliate, Athena of the Triangle. And, you know, they asked me, you know, where would you like to serve? And I said, really, I just want to, you know, I want to be of service. And I don't want to pigeonhole myself in what I usually do, which is communications and marketing. And so they said, you know what, we're going to launch a new program, which we're really excited about. It's Emerging Leaders, where we're really taking the Athena leadership principles and really um, teaching those and doing kind of a deep dive master class in those for women that feel like uh, going into leadership, but they really want to learn more. They want to hone in their skills. They want to understand what makes us as women uniquely qualified for leadership. And I said, absolutely. And so I've been very fortunate to be in the midst of all the planning and development right now. And it's fantastic because the curriculum is from Athena International, so it's already built out. Um, but they give us the freedom to really execute that in whichever way we see fit based on our, in our area and our demographic. That's been great. And by the way, and I'm glad you mentioned Andrea, she was interview number 25. If you hadn't had a chance to listen to that, check that out at womenreallymeanbusiness.com and you can uh, search out episode number 25 or your favorite podcast service. And the official title of that book, by the way, is Becoming Athena, Eight Principles to Enlighten Leadership. Of course, we're going to talk about that later in the podcast. And Sahida, I want to have you react to something about Athena. And and you're in a pretty good position to comment on this since you are the co-chair, as you said, of the Emerging Leaders Program. And we had mentioned that in the bio at the top of the show. But Athena leaders are a lot different. When you embrace those eight leadership principles, it's really not that that traditional role of leader that you stereotypically think of where you're out in front and yeah, everybody's kind of following you like lemmings type of thing, you know, lemmings to the sea. It's really more about connecting people and being, I guess, putting people in a position where they are doing their best, even maybe even beyond what they thought they could do. And is that what it means to you? Or I would just love your take. Yeah, I, I'm so happy that you mentioned that, Jeff, because I think it is important. I think so many times we feel like there has to be this title assigned, you know, with leadership. And even though, you know, I've held that title on and off for a very long time, um, others just intrinsically saw me as a leader. And then I started really seeing myself as a leader. And what Athena Leadership Principles really does is help you connect with those things um, as women that we can tend to tilt towards that really help us be uniquely qualified for leadership. And so, as you mentioned, leadership doesn't have to be, you know, I am a people manager at X company, you know, or I manage, you know, X number billion of dollars. I think that is sort of a byproduct um, sometimes of being a leader. 
but we all know people that just have that quality, you know, where, you know, they're inspiring, they're motivating, you know, they're congruent, you know, they have this integrity and you just want to follow them where they're going or you want to get more of them. And I mean, I feel that way when I, when I met Andrea and when I meet other people like that, I know, I, I know before I even know what role they have, that's a leader. And I want to sit close to her. I want to rub up against her. I want to learn and understand what makes her tick. And so this leadership program is really about that exploring, you know, what are the principles that um, we have found our commonalities in over 400 women in leadership and how do, how do we grow that? So there's a lot of introspection. There's a lot of sort of homework on yourself and understanding what can I bring to the table? What are my growth opportunities? What am I already strong in? So it is a very unique um, model, but I think it's one where that's, there's been a gap in this area, and I think Athena fills it very well. Let's talk about you as a leader, because as I read your bio, you started out with your mom, who instilled in you, as you say in your bio, a strong sense of self and goals. And then you yourself went through struggles. In fact, you call your story one of transformation. I'm going to read right from your bio here. Her story is one of transformation from a struggling single parent to a successful career woman with solid Christian values. And so let's talk about your journey from the time when you were very young and you had these values that became the underpinning of your life and how they had to hold you through struggles and see you through those struggles and allow you to give others, especially women, a hand up. And I just love to hear how you've navigated all of that and become the leader you are today. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. I would love to say that it was a very straight line, but as we all know, life happens. And so I think that I'm, I am I know today that I'm very fortunate. And obviously, the more women that I meet and the more hands that I shake, I understand that I was so, so fortunate and blessed to have the upbringing that I had. My mother um, was and is a pioneer, just was bold and courageous and always really stressed um, the importance of continuous learning, of really standing up up for something, uh, of working hard and having a good work ethic. And honestly, we were goal setting since we were in fifth grade. I mean, we would literally get my sister and I and her and we would set some goals and say, okay, how are we going to execute on that? And it was not strange to me because that is just the way that I grew up. And so my assumption as a young adult was that everybody understood that and did that and had a strong sense of self. And of course, you know, you and I know that that's just not true. So I think today I, you know, have a sense of compassion and just a a willingness to share that and really impart that on other women because I understand that they, they didn't go through that. And so that uh, foundation really took me through. Um, there were some years that, you know, I just kind of, you know, was angry at life and had gone through, you know, some obstacles that I had to overcome. You know, I ended up at 19, um, a single mom. And even though by then I had finished my first year in college and I was living overseas and I had really achieved all the goals that I had set out for myself, I was sort of, you know, in this crossroads. And so I had to start, you know, picking up the pieces again of my life and saying, okay, 
what do I do now? You know, my plans kind of uh, took a detour out of my, you know, my own choices that I made. And so one thing was really holding myself accountable and responsible for what would happen next and what had happened thus far. And so not sitting in guilt or self-shame, but really saying, you know what, I made some choices. They weren't the best. I am reaping what I sowed and that's okay. Um, but I'm going to turn this into a positive and I'm going to move forward. I'm going to work hard, you know, finish my degree, this daughter of mine, you know, ready for the world and really, you know, build a career. And so that's what I had to do. And it was, you know, it was tough. It was very tough. I was struggling, you know, with, with an illness. My daughter had a learning disability. I literally would go to work. Um, and then afterwards would sit at home and work through some things with her for school. And then at night at 11 o'clock, my studying started to finish my degree. And even though, you know, that was my, my second degree, my first degree was in music, my second business, you know, there were days that (laughs) you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but I had, again, that foundation that told me if you keep working hard, you know, one day you're going to be able to look back and you're going to know that you've achieved something. And never did I dream that that would turn into being able to give back. But as I progressed in my career, um, as I gained a reputation for being somebody that was doer and, and somebody that was an impact person, I started, you know, telling my husband, you know what, this doesn't feel whole to me and this doesn't feel 100% right because I have so much success now and I know that I've worked hard for it. But it's not necessarily that I deserve it. I know other people that work hard and don't ever get ahead. I think I need to start, or I know that I need to start giving back and really helping women around me. And that was tough for me because it wasn't something that I was used to. I was very much in survival mode for a long time. So it was just about me and getting through. And now I'd come to a place where I was like, you know what? Things have changed my life. Now I have to change my mindset. And that's my you know, transformation of my mind and saying, it's time to look at things differently. Um, I don't have to fight anymore, but now I can you know, settle in the space that I've created and I can start giving back and I can help maybe other women not have necessarily the same struggles that I had and really empowering them with all these tools that I you know, had as a foundation beginning at a very early age. I want to talk about some of those tools and what saw you through your struggles, because you said it perfectly before that it's not a straight line to success. And there's a lot of things that can be put in your path. I mean, my gosh, you had so many obstacles with your daughter that had a learning disability. You had an illness. You were a single mom at a young age. There's all these things coming against you. And at times you were probably exhausted and you probably wanted to quit. And I I think two things I'd like to get out of your answer here is that, number one, where did you find the reserves to keep going and what did you do? And two, when those negative emotions did hit you that said that, you know what, you're not going to make it. There's no way you're going to see your way through this. It's always going to be like this. You should quit. How did you turn down those voices? So it's kind of a dual question, but I'm sure people that are inside their own struggles would like to hear how you saw your way through them. 
Yeah, thanks for that question, Jeff. I would like to say that there's a quick recipe for that, and you know, of course there isn't, but I will say this. I have this rule that I live by today, and I don't remember when I started it. <laughs> I have some like basic Zai rules for living or for life. One of the things that I really do and I've done for a long time is when I am in a struggle, when I feel overwhelmed, um, when I feel like giving up, I do not try to push those feelings aside because I think the more you try to push them aside, the more they kind of come back to, to sort of haunt you. What I try to do is say, you know what, this is the way that I'm feeling and I'm going to validate that. It is okay to feel defeated. It is okay to feel sad. It is okay to feel overwhelmed. But I only allow myself 24 to 48 hours to feel that way. And I do that because I feel like we really need to own how we feel and recognize that. And once I do that and I've been in that space, I say, okay, that is it. I am done. <laughs> I have, you know, in my mind, right, I have played a little bit of a victim role and I'm not saying it in a judging way, but just for myself. And I have validated these feelings, but you know what, that is not going to get me to the next level. So I just need to, I'm, I'm done feeling this way. I, you know, now it's time for the next phase and I have to literally shake it off you know, go to the next phase of my life and do what I need to do. And sometimes, honestly, I would attach silly things to it. Like if I was decided that I was going to do something, you know, I was going to continue in a, in a struggle and, you know, it was going to take, you know what, I'm just going to go out and I'm going to get a haircut <laughs> and I'm going to be really radical and get a different haircut because I just want to see something different when I look in the mirror and really tell myself, it's okay. It's okay to embrace this change. It's okay to embrace this, this hill, but this too shall pass. And I think one of the big pieces of advice that my mother gave me, uh, you know, at a very young age was life is tough. And the quicker you recognize that the easier things become. And <laughs> it sounds very ironic, but it is the truth. You know, I do not have expectations that life is going to be easy when things are flowing well and things are happening, you know, in a, in a very easy way, I enjoy that and I cherish that. But I know that that is just a temporary state. Just I know that struggles are a temporary state. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And I think it, <laughs> I, and I think it boils down to just, again, we're not robots. So you have to, as you said, acknowledge your feelings. But by the same token, you put a time limit on it and you say, now it's time to go and do something and move that ball forward. Am I right about that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think also something that I feel like, I don't want to say maybe us as women, but I, I feel like maybe this is a pattern is that we have the, the opposite of analysis paralysis. We live or we will sit so much in our emotions that then it kind of impairs us from doing what we need to do. And sometimes people are like, I don't understand you. You're moving forward and you, you look like you're okay. And I'm like, that is because I am okay. Yes. You know, maybe, you know, when I was very ill, I'm in pain, but I'm not suffering and this too shall pass. And I just have to keep moving forward. Um, and I think for me personally, you know, my, my sort of fear, underlying fear is, um, I think of Thoreau's 
poems that a lot of us lead quiet lives of desperation, that drives me a lot. And so even when I'm going through tough times, I don't want to sit idly by and let life happen to me. I want to know that I have you know, lived my life to the fullest and I have, you know, kind of steered the course for my, you know, ship, if you will, versus just letting things happen to me and not being prepared or active in, in my own destiny. Let's talk about leadership. And you, as we said earlier in the interview, you advise emerging leaders, but certainly in your career, you've come up and interacted with a uh, come up with, or I should say, and interacted with several different types of leaders. And maybe you could talk to our audience right now directly, because in the audience right now, we have emerging leaders, we have leaders at the midpoint in their career, we have veteran leaders, but everybody at every stage, and that's one of the Athena principles, of course, is learn constantly, can always grow and move ahead. So what would you like to say to those leaders? What are the, what are the things that leaders should be doing? What should they know from your perspective? Yeah, absolutely. What I really believe is that um, leaders, no matter what stage, at, uh, no matter what stage they find themselves in in their career, need to understand who they are, how they're perceived, and what they bring to the table. And I don't think that you can do that without doing some self exploration and understanding who am I or who am I growing up to be or who do I want to be and really actively engaging in, you know, um, some exploration of oneself and understanding how do I want to be perceived? I think that the most successful people understand who they are and how they influence or impact others because, Understanding that then allows you to actively engage that part of you that you know will be successful with whatever your audience is. You know, sometimes we see leaders that are just very present, and when they talk to you, you feel like the only person in the room. I guarantee you they know that. (laughs) They know that they have that, you know, gifting, right, or they have worked at it. And so they know that that's, you know, a core strength that they have or something that they've built up. And so, so many times, you know, we're in leadership and we're, you know, leading programs or we're leading people, but maybe we don't see or we have some blind spots as to who am I, how are people perceiving me, and, you know, how do I make that better? And I will give you an example. Um, when I was leading a women's nonprofit organization prior to being with Athena, you know, I knew or I felt like I knew what kind of leader I was, inspirational, motivational. Um, I was going to build you up. I was going to praise you, you know, and help you and encourage you and really try to help you step out of your comfort zone to really mature in some other things that were going to take you to your next level. That's really how I helped my board by supporting them in that way. But one of the things that was not common to me or was not intrinsic was really value of praise, sincere praise um, for my board members. And my mentor, Don Barnett, who is fantastic, said to me, 
you know, these women hang on every word you say, and you don't know how much just a small word of sincere encouragement or praise for the work that they're doing will take you. You know, I'm so focused on how do we do better? How do we execute better? What is the next goal that I forgot to really stop and say, you know what? You're doing a fantastic job on X, Y, and Z. And I really... I took that to heart when she said that to me, and I absolutely was like, wow, I'm having a moment. Um, And I realized that that wasn't something, a muscle that I had really built up because I wasn't really raised that way. I was very, you know, goal and focus oriented, and that's the way that I was raised, rather than stopping around and really praising me for a lot of things that were expected of me. And so... I started to really make that a habit. And again, with very sincere praise, looking around at the women that served with me and saying, you know what, this is, this is fantastic. You know, I just need you to know that you're a great communicator or, you know, that you've really thought this out and you've got a great strategy built out. And those small conversations just really took the relationship and the dynamic that I had as a leader with my board to a whole other level. And so I was thankful for my mentor for being radically honest with me. I was thankful that I was teachable and that I had been brought up in a way to say, you know what, you need to be humble and be teachable and be open to new things. And I was thankful that I just went ahead and did it and and did it in a courageous way. And so that really um, just completely changed, you know, the, you know, and really impacted my leadership style. Before we get into the Athena-based questions, there's something that you just said there about knowing what type of leader you are. So somebody's listening right now, they're like, wow, that sounds great. And I would love to know what kind of leader I am, because you have to know what type of leader you are before, as you said, you can start embracing the things that make you a good leader, and then maybe add the things that you could be at the moment lacking, in your case, giving praise. One of the Athena principles, of course, celebrate, right? And so talk to the audience about if they want to discover what kind of leader they are, what kind of steps should they take? What should they plug into as far as resources go? And in other words, how do they discover their leadership? type? What would you suggest? Yeah, I would say that, I mean, I'm a reader. <laughs> I tell everybody that I come across readers are leaders. <laughs> so if you're a reader, you're I like a good that. company. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so I would say that there are um, a lot of books right now, and, and there's one in particular one that I'm, I'm going through once again, Emotional Intelligence. And so there's a couple of versions of that. There's Emotional Intelligence 2.0 by Travis Bradbury, and there's also Daniel Coleman's version. But really, the emotional intelligence helps you understand how you are perceived by others, how you perceive yourself, um, how does that align, what is the delta there, and and how well you are able to um, really assess where other people are at. And so I would say that books like that really help you understand where you are. There's Brene Brown's The Gifts of Imperfection, Let Go of Who You Think You're Supposed to Be and Embrace Who You Are. So, of course, you know, there's a lot of personality assessment out there that one can take. 
But I also think that really working around and using your network, you know, perhaps those people that have been sponsors in the past in your career um, and, you know, people that are mentors, you know, I don't know necessarily that friends falls in that because you want like a radically honest answer to those questions, but really asking the questions you know, how do I come across, you know, what are my strengths? What are the things that I could work on? And honestly being prepared to get the answers, because if you ask those questions and you've already set up sort of the answers in your mind, you know, then you're not ready to receive, you know, that, you know, um, feedback. And so really having these radically honest and crucial conversations with people around you to understand how am I perceived? What do you think is really you know, um, at the heart of who I am, you know, what are the things that I could work on? And so doing this over and over again, you know, the more people is now, it will get better and it will get easier to have those answers. And I think we just need to be bold and ask those questions if we want to get to the next level. All right, let's head into our, our Athena leadership principles. And of course, there are eight Athena leadership principles from the book, Becoming Athena, Eight Principles to Enlighten Leadership by Athena International founder, Martha Mertz. And I have to share a little personal story here. Before we went on the air, Saida wanted to tackle a question that she felt a little more comfortable with. One of the principles, not, I shouldn't say felt more comfortable with the one that, uh, because all the principles resonate with everybody a little differently. And she had one that was particularly near and dear to her heart, but I randomly assigned these and I said, well, you could take the one that you, you liked. And she said, no, you know what? I'm going to stretch myself and I'm going to go with the one that you gave me. So I have to salute you for that because I think that's uh, I think being a leader is also being willing to tackle new things and get outside your comfort zone. So congratulations to you for being willing to do that. Well, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate that. Absolutely. And uh, so your principle is build relationships. What's that mean to you? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, Athena really uh, the Athena principle of building relationships um, it really is centered around venturing beyond yourself and connecting with and accepting others, which I think is really important to include that acceptance of others um, and also appreciating talents and gifts that different individuals offer and access ways of knowing, inviting, and embracing others. And I will say that this was not, if you had talked to me 20 years ago, I don't think that this would have been my go-to principle. Definitely. I will say that again, being in survival mode and just through some life experiences, I was very leery of other women. I didn't necessarily trust that they had my best interests at heart. I didn't necessarily think that in my career, you know, that they would help me. I was very, I shied away from really being connected with other women, I felt like, um, I don't know, I just had a, a stereotypical reaction and thought, you know, these women are just, you know, lunching together and talking about knickknacks. And, you know, if you're not part of that team, you know, they're not really going to accept you. So I had a lot of reservations about that. But I will say that as, you know, my career grew, my success grew, and I started really just having one-on-one conversations with other women around me. And I would see that they would be very successful in maybe one or two areas of their life, but there was still a lot missing. And there was a lot of just confidence missing and um, boldness and, um, you know, just just a, a, a lot of obstacles to overcome. And I thought, wow, 
I could, you know, I really want to help and I, I want to, you know, impact that person or influence them. And so a, a real, you know, empathy and, and sincere desire to help other women really grew. And I always say that God really just kind of dropped that in my heart because it wasn't, again, it wasn't just part of who I was. But today I am so happy and thankful to say that, you know, I do make an effort to connect outside of what my my comfort level is. I'd like to say that I'd like to grow my comfort level rather than step outside of it. And, you know, one of the things that is really important is that accepting others part. And so if you're going to build relationships, you got to leave the judging hat at home. (laughs) And many of us, if we're, especially if we're high impact folks, you know, we want to just get things done. We want to see results. And if people don't go at our own pace, you know, there's a lot of judgment that goes on in the background, at least in in myself talk. And so I've trained that voice to settle down and say, you know what, not today. Um, my judgy hat is at home <laughs> and I just really need to connect with that, this, this woman, understand where she's at, she's, she's at, you know, um, and really just, you know, connect with her and build a relationship. Um, if for no other reason than just to, um, meet her and, and see, because everybody has a story and there are so many wonderful stories that we can learn from, that we can encourage each other. We can build each other up. Um, but we don't take the time to do that because we're so busy, you know, doing and, um, as women, you know, just executing, you know, there's 20 million things we have to do during the day. Right. Um, and I think the other next level is just really embracing others and inviting them and saying, you know what, I love what you stand for. You know, it's, it's not, it's not, um, necessarily, you know, my, my area of expertise, but I see you, I see you and I recognize you and I really want you to come and to speak to us or, you know, I really want to be connected with you some way. You know, one of the things that I tell people all the time is I am the non-tech person in a tech world and I have been for some years and what has happened because of that and because of my desire to build relationships is that I feel an affinity for women in tech and I feel like as women, we need to advocate for other women, especially in roles and in industries where, you know, we have difficulty really growing and becoming leaders. And so it's important to me. And today I help and I sit for the time being in um, another one of Athena's programs, which is called Athena in Tech. And again, I am not a tech person, but it is important for me to have a voice for my other, you know, women that are in tech and um, just really advocate for them and, and what they need. Well, that is just a, a great answer to building relationships. Are you sure that wasn't the one that really resonated with you? Because yeah. <laughs> that was that was awesome. And uh, so let's head into, absolutely, it's, uh, you're welcome. Uh, let's head into our last few questions here and uh, and you'd already touched on the resources a little bit but do you have any other resources that you want to add I well actually I will say this um, there is a book it's it's older about 10 years old um, it's by Catherine Mayer and it's called collaborative competition a woman's guide to succeeding by competing and I think that one of the things that we need to get comfortable with as women in business is being competitive and having competition I think that we view uh, competition on one side of the spectrum and collaboration in another. And the two are not 
mutually exclusive, but somehow we've been conditioned to think that. And I think, honestly, again, if I can fall into a little bit of stereotypes, that men get this a little bit better than we do. And so we need to understand that we can come together and have different strengths and even collaborate and still be in competitive fields. And I know, you know, I had a little stint in sales once upon a time and, um, I never, you know, if I had other saleswomen that I worked alongside with, you know what? I was collaborative, but it didn't, you know, it didn't keep me from wanting to get that number one spot, right? And so, um, you know, out because when I left, I was in the number two sales spot, but I didn't have to do it in the way that other people did it and, and even in other, you know, in, in a kind of a ruthless cutthroat way. But I was very focused on being competitive and doing the best, but I was going to do it you know, with integrity, I was going to do it being collaborative. You know, I was going to do it being nice, if you will. <laughs> um, and I was okay with that, um, no matter what the outcome. And so that, um, I think, would also be a great resource for uh, women, especially when they're in sort of, you know, tougher male-dominated industries. And I agree with you. You can be collaborative and competitive at the same time because collaboration you can help that person and they can help you and maybe they had an area of sales that they were weak in and vice versa and you can shore each other up. And then ultimately, especially when you're in competition, everybody thinks competition is all about, well, I'm going to beat everybody else and get to that number one position. I know you just mentioned that you, you want to be number one and you know we're, we're judged on results, but there's a bigger competition going on and that's the competition with yourself and being better than you were. And I think that if you can collaborate with people and be better than you were the day before and you move further ahead faster because you're able to get people from the outside helping you out. I think that's, 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 that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, I think it's important. I mean, I think now if I think back a little bit, um, I really enjoy sort of sports that are more, you know, one-on-one, one-on-one sports where you're really depending on yourself and you're like today um, I do ballroom dancing and I compete. And so it's really about me giving my best. But I will say that my relationship with my coach has changed quite a bit. You know, it used to be, you know, this tug of war and the struggle, you know, and now it's really collaborative and it's really about building something together. But then, you know, when it's time to get out there and compete, you know, I know that I can give it my best and really um, improve on my performance. And I think that there's a lot of stories that we tell ourselves about, things that don't belong together or the way that I have to do something. And I think sometimes we just need to look at those and say, what is the narrative? What is the story that I'm telling myself? And is that helping me get to my next level as a leader? If it's not, we need to examine it, re-examine it and say, you know what? Maybe this worked for me 10 years ago, but it doesn't work for me anymore. And again, going back to that mindset of transformation where I was fighting, you know, and, you know, struggling and leading and moving forward. And I addressed things a certain way. And then when I found success, you know, I had to really step back and say, Hey, I don't have to act this way anymore. I don't, you know, I can be, um, kind of the softer, kinder side to myself because, you know, I've, I've gotten to a different place. So, you know, we have to re-examine what are the stories that we're telling ourselves and really building some good self-talk and some stories and connecting some dots that will take us first. And that means thinking and, and talking to ourselves 
in a different way. Because if we're going to a new place, then those stories have got to be different and have got to sound differently for ourselves. Well, it's hard to believe, but this interview is in its last question. I mean, fast as we record this. So I definitely appreciated all your time. And as I do at the end, and as I do at the beginning, the mic is yours. And I want to give the floor to you to take out the uh, interview in any manner that you wish. Take us to the conclusion. And uh, so the floor is yours to address the audience with whatever you want. Thank you, Jeff. Again, I, I totally appreciate this opportunity to share. And I think one of the things that I would like to say is that the Athena leadership model really resonates with me, and I would highly recommend Martha's book, um, as you mentioned before, because there are so many levels to each and every principle that we can go back and really dig deeper and deeper. Living authentically is so vital to moving forward, especially when we're stuck in a rut. Learning constantly has been my friend, um, and it was something that you can do at any point in time. So even if you don't see yourself as a learner, you can change that and you can start learning. One of the things that I implemented in my birthday is my birthday is a new year of life, if we see it that way, right? And so every birthday I say, I'm going to learn something new that I haven't done before. And that's how ballroom dancing came about. Here I am six years later <laughs> advocating fiercely um, for other women and really making sure that we stand in the gap and we stand up for things that we feel strongly about, acting courageously, um, just stepping out of that comfort zone and saying, you know what, this this role that I want really want and I know that I could do, I don't have that degree, but you know what, I'm going to go for it anyways because I'm going to have regrets if I don't do that. Again, fostering collaboration among women um, is really important and we still have a such a gap in that. And, you know, we talked about building relationships and, you know, giving back. Again, I mentioned, you know, without giving back and that part of my life, I would not feel complete. And one of the things that I learned was that I could give back at any point in my life. There was time in my life, again, when I was struggling with my health um, and I was still a single mom. And I decided that I just had to go on missionary trips. And that was just calling to me. And I did it. And it was fantastic. And it was not easy, but it was it was so fulfilling and gave me so much purpose. Um, and then finally celebrating, you know, celebrating each other, celebrating ourselves, um, doing that little happy dance, even if it's in your car all by yourself because you've achieved something absolutely uh, vital. And, you know, the last thing that I would like to say is that I understand and I realize that all of this was really because I had a fantastic mother um, or have <laughs> that um, just really showed the way um, and guided me. And in that same way, I would like to, you know, help others, you know, again, in a humble way from where I'm at to grow. And so I know that I've had opportunities that others haven't had, but I've had struggles that others haven't had. So I feel like you know, my story hopefully will resonate with somebody and um, just, you know, here to my life to the fullest. Well, Saida Floyd, 
or Z or Zai. <laughs> As, yeah. Of course, I, I made up the uh, Z part. You know, it's funny. I, I did get to share a little humorous aside is, is that in our show notes that you provided beforehand, you, it said pronounced Z-I. And so instead of reading it as Zai, I read it as Z. So that was my little faux pas. But uh, okay. h- however we say your name, Saida Floyd, I really appreciated all your time and um, enlightening interview. And thank you again. Thank you so much, Jeff. I appreciate it. Um, look forward to many other podcasts from fantastic women that really mean business. Oh, that's great. Thank you. On the next episode of Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International, Aaron Green owns Verify Services, which saves business customers an average of 23% on their cellular bills, and her business changes every two to three years due to technology. She is an expert on reinventing her business to stay current and has great advice for you. Here's a little bit from Aaron. A lot of it is just literally scheduling time to think. It's looking at the business as a whole. It's removing myself as the bottleneck as often and in as many ways as I can so that I have the time to be strategic. There's such a difference between strategic leadership and and tactical leadership, and that's been an evolution too. If you're loving this podcast, we have a few ways for you to support it. First of all, become a patron at womenreallymeanbusiness.com. Just check out the details at the top of womenreallymeanbusiness.com. You'll see what you get for becoming a patron, and we have some good stuff for you. Also, grow the show. If you go to womenreallymeanbusiness.com and check out the grow the show section there are things you can do there to help get the word out as always we appreciate you being here and thank you in advance